me. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. All right. No kids' church today. That's like two weeks in a row. Sorry, Effie. <laughs> Sorry, Effie, but you know what? You are big enough and old enough now to be in church. Amen? Just think about that. You're getting older. We need them in church. Thank you, Lord. We need a lot of people in church. Amen. Lord, we're just trusting you that you're going to fill these seats, every one of them. Amen. Every one of them. Lord, not by our might, but by your might, says the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. A couple announcements. Wednesday, prayer meeting, 7 o'clock. It's going to be... um, at our house, okay, our house at 7, Wednesdays, and pray, because we're going to be doing, as this weather starts to break and the weather gets better, we're going to be changing some prayer services. We want to incorporate worship with our prayers in worship. So we want to do like having a time of worship, and and I'll have... Uh, so we'll do worship and praying, and and we're going to trust the Lord how it goes. We're still trying to, we're still praying about it, whether we're going to be worshiping and praying at the same time, or worshiping and then praying, or praying and then worship, you know. But it's all going to be kind of we want to intertwine them both together to do something different, because I believe the church needs to be revitalized in prayer. All right, and uh, you know, a church that's praying. That's what God's called us to do, right? He said this house would be a house of prayer, right? So we want to fill this place with prayer. We believe that it's vital. I believe that it's vital. As Christians, prayer is vital for all of us. Amen? So I would encourage you, if you can make it out, even on Wednesdays at our house and pray. We've had so many answers to prayers it's, it's just amazing. Amazing. So, so prayer meeting Wednesday at our house. And then we're going to take up an offering. And then, Julie, are you going to you want to do communion today? So, so, Grace, come on down. We'll take up an offering. And then we will. Julia, if you could pass out, get ready to pass out communion cups. I have more in my office. All right. I'm going to have two twin, twin bookends. Helpers. Grace has been doing the offering for how long, Grace? Forever. For years. I can't take that away from her. Amen. Jules, there's going to be more in the back. So if you want to get that ready to go, let's all bow our heads as we pray over the offering. Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit, Lord God to just pour out a blessing upon your people as we give into your kingdom. Lord, we're giving into your kingdom where rust and moth will not devour, Lord God. And Lord, I just am so thankful, Lord God, for what you're doing and how you're working things, and and Lord God, and, and just everything coming together in the church. Lord, we're preparing. We're preparing for great things. We're believing for great things, Lord God, in this place. Lord, we, we're praying for just outreach for lost souls, for salvation, Lord God. That's what it's all about. It's about salvation, bringing people into the kingdom of God, seeing them healed, set free, and delivered in Jesus' name. Lord God, that's what it's all about. That's what we should be doing every day, Lord God. That should be on our minds, Lord God. And we're believing that. And we're believing, Lord God, Lord, on your word. We're trusting you, Lord God, for our provision, for our health. Lord God, for miracle signs and wonders, we're trusting you. And we just thank you for each person that's here. We pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would bless them, Lord God, that you would touch them where, Lord, they need to be touched. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's from your shoes, yes. You made a track all the way down. <laughs>
I have it open already for you. Can you put that down? I can't. Yes. I can't reach it. I can't reach it. Can you? <laughs> no. Listen, can you see? I have it already for you. You want this? It's on. Mic's hot. Mic's hot. Hot mic. You can't get that down. Aging is such a rough thing. <laughs> you gotta have extra light. <laughs> All right. So um, this morning, as I was praying for the service and reading the word, and um, one of our favorite stories in the in junior church over the years, we, we right Ephraim. This is such a cute story, but. We have uh, the story of Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And it, it's like, oh, what do you call them? Like, card, not cardboard, but they're pictures. They're not, no, they're just plain cardboard, but they're pictures. And it shows all the scenes going into telling the story for the children, right? So, yeah, like flashcards kind of. So it's so cute because one year we had Ephraim and we had Jackson and Ollie and I I don't remember who else, but um, I was telling them the story of when Jesus spoke to the disciples and they, they asked him, what do you want us to do to prepare for the Passover? And then he tells them to go into the town, and there'll be a man there, and there'll be a donkey. And, you know, it's all this mysterious uh, instructions that they, I'm sure, were amazed at, again, because Jesus would always do amazing things and miracles. And uh, But it was so funny because after about five pictures And I was trying to bring out the miracle part of it, you know, the amazing part of what Jesus was doing and and how the when they when the two disciples went to the man at the inn, he already knew he already had a room prepared. And um, so it was so cute because Jackson, who was like five, he was looking at it and he was. He was trying to think, like, and he was he was seeing all the miracles, and and then he raised his hand. He's like, "Grandma, in every picture, there's a pot sitting." <laughs> because every picture was so funny, because it was like biblical towns, you know. <laughs> Were you there, Stella? <laughs> it was so funny because every single picture had this pot in it, and he, you know, in his spirit, he was like. Why is there a pitcher in every pot? Like, was that? He wanted to know what the purpose of that was. It was so cute. And I thought, oh, that boy's going to be a prophet someday. <laughs> He's already trying to discern. Why is there a pot in every pitcher? <laughs> it was cute. Anyway, so this story, um, I was preparing for this, and... Um, and we and I came to the scripture. I'm going to read it in the um, Message Bible by Eugene Peterson. And one of the things I wanted to bring up is that uh, when we take communion in Corinthians, it talks about uh, not taking it in an unworthy manner. And we we know that we want to come before the Lord, and we want to think about him and honor him and think about what he did and and just uh, meditate on it and ponder it. But don't ever think you can earn the worthiness of taking communion because we can't. But this is what, this story comes right before uh, where they partake together. And I thought this was very interesting. It hit my heart. Because this is what the Lord is saying to us when he says, don't take in an unworthy manner. And we read the story of Judas, the traitor, 
who I believe with all my heart that, you know, God loved Judas just like he loved the other disciples. His heart was for Judas. He wanted Judas and everyone like Judas. And sometimes I think if you look at every disciple, we're all a little like every disciple. But this is so this is what the Lord said about it. On the first of the days of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare your Passover meal? Remember Ephraim? He said, enter the city, go up to a certain man and say, the teacher says, my time is near. I and my disciples plan to celebrate the Passover meal at your house. The disciples followed Jesus' instructions to the letter and prepared the Passover meal. After supper, he and the twelve were sitting around the table. During the meal, he said, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you is going to hand me over to the conspirators. You can imagine, they were all stunned. And then they began to ask one after another, it isn't me, is it, Master? Jesus answered, the one who hands me over is someone I eat with daily, This is us, right? He's just talking about people. It's someone I eat with daily, one who passes me food at the table. In one sense, the Son of Man is entering into a way of treachery well marked by the scriptures. No surprises here. In another sense, that man who turns him in turns traitor to the Son of Man. Better never to have been born than do this. Then Judas, who had already turned traitor, he had already sold, he had already gotten the 30 coins. Then Judas, already turned traitor, said, it isn't me, is it, Rabbi? And it makes me think about me. How many times do I say that to the Lord? How many times do I wonder, am I, am I, am I sinning? Am I, am I turning my back on Christ? Am I believing in things I shouldn't believe in? Am I, am I looking for my own praise, my own glory? Am I, you know, here Judas was spending the same time with Jesus that all the other disciples did, loving Jesus. I believe that Judas did not believe that Jesus would be killed. I believe that Judas thought that Jesus would, he's, if he was the Messiah, the Son of God, he's not going to be killed. I'll just take this money and I'll give some of it to the poor. How many of us are like that? Like, oh yeah, I'll give my amount to the church and then the rest of it's mine. Like, we just have to look at this. We have to look at this because we can't judge Judas. But we don't want to be like him. We don't want to be a part of that. And I think that's what the Lord is saying when he says, in, through Paul, when he said, don't take communion in an unworthy manner. Don't be like Judas. So all we have to do is just go to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever is in me, whatever's in me at any time, any way, the Lord knows. Sometimes we don't even know because the enemy might have us so blinded because that's how he tricks us. So we just go before the Lord and we say, Lord, my Father, cleanse me by your blood. This is what communion is part of. It's part of that sacrament, the blood and the body of Christ. But on a daily basis, we can go to the Lord and just say, Lord, cleanse me by your blood. Because we're human, just like Judas was. We're human, just like Paul or Peter was, who denied Christ three times. 
And he loved Christ. So this is what the Lord is saying. It's this relationship that we have with him is supernatural. It's not normal. We can't generate it. We can't be worthy enough. We can't be good enough. We can only receive his love, give our hearts to him, and receive his forgiveness. So with that in mind, I'm going to read the rest of this. Um, Then Judas, already turned traitor, said, It isn't me, is it, Rabbi? And this is what Jesus said. Don't play games with me, Judas. So that's our answer, right? Don't play games with Jesus. (laughs) Those kind of games. Just be truthful. Just be honest. Don't try to make it work. Let him work through us. Let him pour into us that holiness. Let him pour in that worthiness. And so we come to you today, Lord Jesus, and we come to take and partake of your body and your blood. We come to partake of you. We ask that as we partake, as we eat your body and drink your blood, that we will be healed. We will be healed in Jesus' name by the body of Jesus. And we just, right now, I want you to also lift up anyone that you know that needs healing right now. I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to think of whoever you know that needs healing. We know Ed needs healing. We just lift him up to you, Lord. We just pray healing in Jesus' name. Lord, your body was broken that we would be healed. And we believe that this morning, Lord Jesus. Healed mentally, physically, and spiritually. Your body broken for us. Your blood shed for us, Lord. And so we lift these people who are ill or ourselves who are ill. And we come against sickness in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. We take authority over it by the blood of Jesus. We come against coronavirus. We take authority over it. We come against cancer. We take authority over it. We take authority over all illness and sickness in Jesus' name and by the body that was broken for us. Hallelujah. The bread and the cup. During the meal, Jesus took and he blessed the bread. He broke it and he gave it to the disciples. So let's take our bread. Lord, we ask you to bless the bread. Help us to comprehend and understand the great mightiness of that statement. And we break it before you, just break it in your fingers, as a representative of Christ's body broken for us. And we humbly, Lord, come to you with grateful, thankful hearts. And let us partake together. Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body. Let's let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Send your gift of healing this morning. Healing, Lord Jesus, for all illnesses, all sicknesses. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for your body. And then taking the cup and thanking God. I love that. (laughs) He took the cup. Now remember, everybody, 
in just a short while he would be going to the cross. And he knew that. Right? But he took that cup and he knew what it represented. His death and his resurrection. Life. His power for the people today. His resurrection power today for our lives. Through the blood of Jesus. And Jesus himself, picture it, he takes the cup. He takes it and he thanks God. He thanks his father for what he's about to go through because he loves us. He thanks his father because he knows that everything he's going to go through, that his father will bring him through. And he thanks him for the opportunity of his shed blood. And then, what does he do? He gives it to them. Can we fathom that? Can we fathom that? His life he gave to us. And... This is what he said. Get your cup ready. Open it up. Okay. We open it. And he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of our sin. Hallelujah. Let's partake. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. And let us always honor you in the Holy Communion with all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls, and our bodies. And we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Joe, can we turn it down just a little bit? Thank you, Lord. The other thing I want to remind us, and I almost forgot it, and Joe reminded me. He put it up on the board. I don't want you to forget, Mary, you weren't here last week, but Joe announced that we have this new church app. You know, in the church app, Church church clap, no, that's the kids, the church app, there is all the sermons Right for the week, they're on there, downloaded on there. There is, um, you can set it up for all your tithes and offerings. To, you know, that can all be done right through there also. Um, upcoming events and stuff like that, correct, Joe? Yep. Anything else? Prayer request, too. You can do a prayer request on the church app. So, all that's on the church app. So, if you guys, everybody has a smartphone, check it out. Get it downloaded on your phone. There you go. Did you hear that? If things are coming up, Joe can send you a direct message through the app. So, Joe, you're going to administer, right? So, if anybody needs help, you can go. I can send it up here on our Yes. And it's also going to be linked to our it's a link to our Facebook page, right? Yeah. Right now. So it is linked to our Facebook page. Perfect. I'm not good with technology, but praise the Lord, Joe is. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. If you got your Bibles, you can open up the first John. Five five. Overcomers. Overcomers. We are overcomers. 
And Joe, there's a song I want you to get ready near the end of the service. I'll give you a heads up on it because I forgot to tell the girls. It's called Falling in Love with Jesus. Amen? So 1 John 5, 5. If you don't have a Bible, Joe's got it up here on the board. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. All right, so we're going to do something different. Everybody's going to stand up. We're going to read that together. I really want you to get this in your heart. I think of this, this word overcomer came to my spirit this week as I was preparing my sermon. And the reason why is because I'm thinking about everything that's going on in the world right now. Right? Yeah. Everything that's going on in our government, everything that's going on in our nation, in our capital, you know, and you can get so focused on it, you can get so depressed, you can get like, so what's going on? You don't, we don't know what's going on. You know, we can get so fearful, right? And God didn't give us a, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of love, power, and sound mind. Amen. Thank you. All I needed was that key word, love. But God gave us a spirit of love, power, and of sound mind. He does not want us to be afraid. And he calls us to be overcomers, and we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. But to overcome everything that's going on in the world. What did God say? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's say this together. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, at the first time I read this, my, my, my simple mind says, well, that's simple. And I read right over it, right? The first time I read it, I was like, oh, well, that's just simple. And I just kept right on reading. And it's like, wait a minute, go back. My spirit says, go back. Who can, who's an overcomer? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you want to overcome the world, all you have to do is believe. And it's right there is where a lot of people get tripped up. A lot of people get tripped up. Who are in the world. Because a lot of people don't believe the same. They don't have the same belief. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I want to tell you a little story. There's dirt everywhere up here. I want to tell you a little story. When I first got saved as a Christian, and Julie's sister, John and Michelle, bought me my first Bible, NIV Bible. And I tore through that whole thing. Remember last week I preached on the kingdom of heaven is advancing forcefully, and, and forceful or violent men take hold of it? Well, I took hold of that Bible, and I went right through that whole thing. I mean, I went through it so many times, and I went through and marked up things. You know, I like, I li if you look at my Bible, I like to highlight. You know, a lot of highlighter, and I like to highlight, I like to underline, I like to take little notes on it, where I felt like the Lord is really speaking to me. And I did that with that Bible, and like now I, I have the same Bible, but I'm missing the whole, like a third of the whole New Testament, because the binding and everything is just falling apart, and pages have fallen out of it. And stuff. But when I first got saved, I was so on fire for God. Right? And I really think we need to get back to that. 
You know, I think we, I think over time, if you don't stoke that fire with a, with a poker stick every day, and some people need a poker stick, you know, if you don't keep stoking that fire and getting some oxygen to it, it's going to go out over time. But you know, the word says God is faithful. He will not extinguish the smallest little flame. So no matter if there's a little burning ember left in that fire, all you got to do is blow on it. You know what? What's the breath represent? The Holy Spirit. Breathing on it represents the Holy Spirit. It says that they also gave, they also anointed people with hands and they breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. It says it in the Word. So, the church needs a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like never before. We need to get those embers going again. We need to get that spark. We need to be on fire like we were first saved. So when I first got saved, I can remember being downtown in Owego. And I remember your sister had a little shop down there, Sherry, a little bakery gift shop thing. And you, do you, I don't know if you remember the gentleman. He's had a beard. He was always at the, he was always at the um, bookstore, right there. And he rode a bicycle. And and me in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to witness to this guy about Jesus, because you know I was on fire for God, and when you're on fire for God, you want to tell everybody about Jesus, right? Anybody there? Amen. I mean, I did it. I was on fire for God. There are actually a couple stories I can tell you. So I, I sit there, I, I go up to him, and this is when I was first saved. I didn't know much about, I mean, I got into the Word and I was digging into it, but I didn't know much about sharing the gospel with anybody before, ever. It wasn't like I went through a course, and I've never really gone through a course on how to share the gospel. So I go up to the guy. And I can, in my spirit, I'm getting excited. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get this guy saved. And I think I'm going to do it in my own strength, right? So I go up and I go, how are you doing? He goes, good. He goes, can I, can I, can I help you with something? I go, yeah. I said, are you, do you believe? Are you a believer? And he looked at me and he gave me an answer that I was not expecting. Right? I'm looking for a yes or no answer. And if it's a no, it's like, well, would you like to believe? Would you like to know the Savior Jesus? Because He can save you and He can redeem you from all your sins, just like He redeemed me. Right? Right? I mean, that's how I was all excited about sharing the gospel of God. I was, you know, I'm ready to go out and get people saved and bring them into the kingdom. And He looks at me and He goes, Well, that all depends on who you believe in and what you believe in. And I'm like, Well, wait a minute. I wasn't ready for that. Well, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you know, people have all these different gods. I was like, well, I'm thinking only the one God. And he goes, what do you believe me? And I'm like, I'm believing in God. It's almost like he turned it around and was witnessing to me. But I can never, and then he got on his bike and he left, you know, after that. But I can never, I'll never forget that. Because it just reminded me of like, wow, I was so unprepared for that. But I was so ready to share the gospel and excited. And when that happened, I was like, it just made me think of it like, wow, I was not ready. And it kind of like, you know how you kind of get kind of like, like a dog gets curred or kind of like gets scared, you know, after that. And then another story I had, I was in here writing my, writing a sermon one day and I was listening to worship music and I was listening to this song by Crowder over and over and over again oh how he loves me oh how he loves me you know and I'm just letting I'm just letting that song just soak into my spirit I'm just I'm just soaking in that and that worship and I get up and I'm like you know what I got to go out and tell people about Jesus again I got to get up and go tell people so I went down the street I started going door to door down the street to the neighbors I get down to the trailer park down here and I start telling people about Jesus. And I'm like, what can we what can the church do to help you? What what are you looking for the church to do, you know? And like, is there anything I can do? And one, you know, and I'm talking, I'm witnessing to these young guys, and 
This other guy comes around from another trailer. He goes, yeah, the church can help me. I need to pay my rent. I need to have this. I'm going to get evicted without this. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, Lord, how can I help them, you know? And I wasn't ready for that either. People are like, they want money, you know? I'm like, Lord, I don't have a lot of money. I can't help this guy with the rent. I can't do that, you know? I just didn't have it with me to help him out like that. I'm thinking, how can I help him by sharing with him, by talking with him, by trying to... You know, trying to help them that way by counseling, by getting them. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to help them by just sharing Jesus with them. So I wasn't ready for all of those answers either. So the Lord was like showing me, you know what? You just have to trust me. You got to be faithful. Don't give up. Because the enemy's out there like a roaring lion. And he looks to discourage you. He looks to destroy you. He looks to kill you. You know? And that's what it says in the Word. I'm so far off my notes, I don't even know where I'm at here. But I'm trusting God. But who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I want you to really think about that. Because it also reminds me of another story in the Bible. And you can find the story in your Bible in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And I'll paraphrase the story for you. It's the account of the man who brought his son to the disciples. To be delivered. Right? The man brought his son to the disciples. Jesus' disciples. I want to make that clear because, you know, there's a lot of different disciples out there. Just like there's a lot of different gods. And people, other disciples following other gods. So there's only one God, the true God, you know, the God of creation, amen. <laughs> so the man brought his disciples, or he brought his son to Jesus' disciples. And they couldn't drive the evil spirit out. They couldn't drive the evil spirit out. And I like what Jesus said. Oh, you unbelieving. Generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Jesus asked the father of the boy. He says, so how long has your son been like this? The father said, since his birth, since he was born. And then the father responded. But if you can do anything, have pity on us. Help us. I remember Jesus' response from the word. He said, if I can. It's like, if I can. Everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. And you think about that, and you think about John, 1 John 5, 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, there is no, nothing, that can stop him or hold him back. There is nothing that that man or person cannot overcome. Nothing. 
He can overcome anything that this world can throw at him. If you really think about it and you get it in your heart and you get it in your mind, I want you to think about this. If you believe, truly believe in your heart, in your heart of hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, then there is nothing that can come against you that you cannot overcome. Nothing. I, the Father says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You know, he humbly says to Jesus, and he says it honestly. You know, he honestly says it, and he, and he comes to him humbly, and he says, I do believe. I do believe. I want, like, I want to believe. I do believe. He's trying stirring himself up, but you got to help me with my unbelief. What holds us back, and I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest tool that the enemy has in our lives as believers is unbelief. Unbelief holds back so many people. That's why I want you to get it in your heart that Jesus, he who believes in Jesus, can overcome anything. That means when sickness comes, When calamity comes, when things aren't going the way they should be, we can overcome all of those just by the belief in Jesus. You know what? In that belief in Jesus, like Julie said, when he went to the cross, he shed his blood for us. He broke his body for us. And if we believe that, then we can overcome anything, nothing. There's nothing in this world that we can't overcome or can hold you back. Because we have a higher... See, we got to start believing and thinking more supernatural. It's supernatural. We're not from this world. <laughs> yeah, aliens. We're aliens. It's a supernatural process, and once we get to understand that, and the supernatural that, you know what? It doesn't matter what goes on here. Because when I go up here, all of this is going to be gone. Everything that we went through is going to seem like it was not even reality. It's Because reality is with Jesus in heaven. What we're living is not really reality. But when we get to heaven, it's where true reality is. Amen? I know it feels like it. It hurts like it. You know? But we got to remember, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to be heavenly minded. I got to be thinking about Jesus. I got to be thinking about what he's done for us. What, what, what's available for us. If we only know what is truly available for us, we don't really even tap into but just a little bit of it. If we knew everything that Jesus did for us, and if we understood it fully, like the Apostle Paul says, we only know in part, we only see in part, we only know in part, when we get to heaven we'll be fully known and we'll we'll fully see everything. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We can overcome our unbelief by believing in Jesus, that he's the son of God. But we got to understand all of that. There's so much packed in to that one verse in 1 John 5, 5. There's so much packed in there that I don't even fully understand it all, and I won't until I get to heaven. You know, and I was telling my brother Phil there, I'm going to be quoting from... uh, Smith Wigglesworth, he, he gave me a book on Smith Wigglesworth sermons, and I've been reading them. Just started reading them. So, well, I'll give you a quote on that soon. Jesus told us here anything is possible for those who believe. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God, forgive us for our unbelief.
We can overcome everything that's going on. Because we have a Savior that's gracious, that's made a way for us, that's already prepared our path for us, that's given us peace in the midst of a storm. You know, no matter what you go through, you can have peace because you're an overcomer. No matter what comes against you, you can have peace because you're an overcomer. No matter what the doctor says about you, you can have peace because you're an overcomer. And you can overcome any disease, any virus, any sickness because of Jesus. I'll give you a little bit of testimony. How many, how many people in your family have had been diagnosed with cancer? I know Michelle Jevons, your sister Terry. Who else? Was there one more? Or just those two? Just those two. Well, I'll tell you what. One got a report that cancer was through her whole body. And she only had months to live. And we're like, holy cow. The other one got a report that the cancer she had was really bad. And they were going through the testings. So what do we do? We get to prayer. Of course, right? You get to prayer. And you get to praying. And you get to be knocking. And you get to be persistent in your prayers. And I'm telling you... You want to be persistent in your prayers. Don't stop. You know, keep praying till you get an answer. Keep praying. Keep praying. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The one down in Florida, her report that the cancer was through her whole body. She went to the doctors, what, a week or two ago? A couple weeks ago? No. Well, her cancer... It's through her whole body, but it's dormant, and it's rare. And it usually, you know, it usually doesn't even affect the person. So praise God, amen, right? So the cancer through her body, we're believing that she's going to have no traces of cancer at all. But the report of living just a few months, now has ended up living for several decades, a couple decades, the rest of her life. She can go the rest of her life and not have a flare-up with this cancer. So praise God. We thought that was a great report. The other one, the report that was supposed to have been bad, they took a lymph node out, and they didn't find anything. So they went down deeper and took out another piece. Well, they took out a lump. Then they took out a lymph node, and they found out, well, the cancer was so minute that it was nothing. So praise God for that. Amen? So no matter what comes against you, no matter what the report sounds like in the worldly, you know, get to looking heavenly, get to looking supernaturally, get to looking to Jesus, because those who believe in Jesus, those that believe in Jesus are overcomers. And we can overcome this. And we just got to be persistent in prayer. And we got to get rid of any unbelief. As soon as any unbelief gets going in your mind, you have to stop. You know, I like what they taught us as kids in the fire. And I, I've practiced this, so I know this. You stop, drop, and roll, right? So, you stop. As soon as the devil says, no, 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 you got to say, no, devil, I'm putting you on hold right now. You're not even coming in. You know, I'm not going to give you a foothold. I'm not going to open the door for you to get my mind going crazy. I'm standing, I'm a child of God. I'm standing on the word. I'm believing that I'm healed by Jesus. Jesus' stripes have healed me. I'm standing on the word of God that I can overcome this through the blood of the lamb and the belief of Jesus. Because he's already done everything for us. We just have to believe. We have to believe that we're overcomers. The quote from uh, Smith Wigglesworth is that God hath established the earth and humanity on the lines of faith. As you come into line, 
And that's what we got to do. We got to come into line by faith, through faith, right? We got to come into line. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those that don't see, right? We're those that don't see. We're those that didn't walk with Jesus when he was on the earth in the flesh. We're that generation that he talks about. That don't that are that Jesus isn't right there present. He's here present with us by his word, and his word is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, able to separate in between bone and marrow. So his word is alive. And what we gotta do is come in line to that word. We gotta get in line. Once we get in line, fear is cast out. The Word of God comes into operation, and you find yourself on bedrock. I love that. Once you get in line with God, fear is cast out. Fear is cast out. The Word of God comes into operation, so now you've activated the Word of God in your body, in your, in your spirit, in your temple, and you find yourself standing on solid ground or bedrock. That's how Smith Wigglesworth put it. And you know what I got to thinking when I read that? I'm thinking, what cast out fear? Love. Mary said it earlier. Love. Love cast out fear. Who is love? Who is love? God. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, they're love. They're all one. Think So think about this. God is love. What happens to us when we truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God in our hearts? What happens to us? We fall in love. (laughs) We fall in love. The greatest power in the universe is love. Who is love? God is love. The greatest power in the universe is God, who created the heavens and the earth by his word. God is love. God is love. When we start believing in Jesus, that he's the son of God, we are filling ourselves with love. We are falling in love with Jesus. Last night, my wife was telling me, come on up to bed, come on up to bed, and and I was about writing this part, and I could just feel the anointing. I mean, I'm writing this. I'm getting this revelation. I knew God is love, but now I'm falling in love with God all over again. And that's what we got to do. Because if anybody's been married for any bit of time, knows that you go in and out of love. There's good days and bad days. Right? We need to go back to the honeymoon days where you're falling in love all over again. Where that fire is burning inside you all again. Where that ember is getting breathed with oxygen by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's why we're believing that God is going to do great things here. When we left our church, I guarantee there's not. In my heart of hearts, I told my wife, I said, we cannot solicit one person. That's not how you build a church. I don't build a church by somebody else's sheep. I told my wife, we're never going to do that. We're going to trust God. We're never going to go out and start soliciting people that we know. And trust me, we know a lot of people. We have a lot of friends. I could ask a lot of people to come with us. Both of us could have. And they're all blessed. Praise God, they're all blessed in their own churches. And they're doing what God's called them to do. And we're going to continue to do what God's called us to do. Amen? And we're never going to stop until the Lord brings us home. I don't care if there's nobody out here. I'll preach to the chairs. I've done it before. I've gone through myself and anointed every one of these chairs and preached to them. My wife has always been faithful. Praise God. You guys have been faithful. Praise God. But it doesn't matter. Because like Jesus said, I can't stop preaching the word of God when I get going because it's like the rocks are going to cry out. That's how I feel at times. 
Because I'm falling in love with Jesus. That's what it's all about. Love. Think about this. Love. Here you go. One for your communion. Love sent his son for you and for me. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but be with him forever. Think about it. God, you can say, you can substitute the word love for God. Because that's who God is. God is love. Love sent Jesus to the cross for you and for me. How do we overcome the world? By falling in love with Jesus. I want to read to you a couple other things about overcomers and the promises of those that overcome. See, when you fall in love with Jesus, makes you an overcomer. Makes you an overcomer. When you believe in him, because when you really truly believe in him, you really are in love with him. When you really truly believe in Jesus, and you have that in your heart. You are in love with Him. Revelation chapter 2. These are the letters to the churches. Every one of them has, has an overcoming thing in it that, you know, I, I, just, I just think of, because I think of everything that we're going through in our world, in our nation. And I think of what the church is going to go through. God help them if they pass this H.R. 1 bill. God help them. I pray for them. To have mercy upon them. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Think about that. He who overcomes. He who overcomes. He'll give us the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. That was to the church of Ephesus. To the church of Smyrna. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Lord, I pray that our ears can hear your word, can hear your voice can understand, not just hear, but understand what you're saying, Lord. He who has near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Praise God. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death. Because Jesus already overcame death. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In verse 17, he who overcomes, I will give you some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Think about that. You're going to get a white stone with a new name on it. We're going to get fed the hidden manna that the Israelites, I'm sure, got fed with when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Verse 26 through 29, it says, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with the iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Going to give us authority. Chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will be like them, will be dressed in white. I will never blot out their names from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Who has an ear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 12, chapter 3. 
Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So God's going to give you a tattoo with a new name on it. He's going to write it on you, he says. Verse 23, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on the throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church, we're overcomers. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We can overcome anything. And God has called us overcomers. And we are because he first overcame. He first overcame all these things. So that way he can make a way for us to be with him forever and eternity. And we get all these benefits. All of these benefits I just read for those that overcome. We are overcomers through Christ Jesus. Amen? And we need to fall in love all over again. We need to fall in love again with Jesus like never before. Amen? I got a song I want to play. Are you ready for it, Joe? Oh, Kurt Whalem. I believe. Who do you got up there? Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. <laughs> Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Amen. Amen. But I tell you a story. My wife and I went to a Juanita Bynum conference down in Georgia, and there was fifty thousand people there for this uh, conference, and we were the only white couple there. And we stood out like a sore thumb because we didn't get the memo the night before. We registered and signed up and went down, drove all the way to Georgia, through a stinking tornado. We get down there. Everybody's dressed in white. In Atlanta, Georgia, everybody's dressed in white but Julie and I. Yeah, now we're, we're on the streets and we were thinking, wow, everybody's wearing whites. On the streets, and they were all going to the Georgia Dome. By the time we got into the Georgia Dome, because you had to wait in a big line, they were worshiping God, and I'm going to tell you what, I have never felt more powerful worship in my life than 50,000 people singing in one accord. The whole stadium was singing and worshiping God. It was just a, I wish you guys all could experience it. It was greater than anything you could imagine. It was greater than creation. Creation is powerful, but it was greater than that. Being in that Georgia Dome with all those people singing. I mean, it, I just, in my spirit, I just felt like it was like a beam. Beam going straight to heaven. You know, just straight up. It was something unbelievable. And they played this song. They sang this song there. It's one of the first time we've heard it. Somebody here needs some prayer. Let, I want to pray over you. And I also want you to come down and get a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to be filled with the power and let that fire just flow in you. Amen. If you feel like you want to get prayed, you have a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come on down. We'll, my wife and I will anoint for you. We'll anoint you and we'll pray for you. 
Lord, and I just, uh, I just believe, Lord God, that we need it. We need those embers flamed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh fire. Lord is doing something new in the nation. He's doing something new in the churches. He's doing something new in this time. And Lord God, and I don't want to deny him. I don't want to stop him. I want him to have his way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Amen.